You're listening to the Living Word Church Podcast. To learn more about Living Word Church and our service times, visit us online at livingwordli.org. Today's message comes from our lead pastor, Doug Jansen. We're going to start a new series today called Eyes on Jesus. So everybody say, enough is enough. Everybody say, I've had just about enough of that. All right, so how many of you guys are parents and you've said, I've just had, I've had just about enough of that? Anybody here in the room? A whole bunch of hands went up. How many of you kids promise when you are a parent, you will never say anything like that? And how many of you were kids once and said you wouldn't say it, and now you do say stuff like that all the time, right? So here, I want you to think about the fact that there are certain areas of our life where maybe we need to look at and say enough is enough. I want to talk with you today a little bit about that. See, there are maybe some things we've been doing, some ways we've been thinking, some ways we've been living, and sometimes we've got to kind of just take a minute and look at some things we're doing or some things we're believing or some things we're dwelling on and thinking about and say, whoa, okay, I'm going to stop this right where it is. Enough is enough. This has gone far enough. So I have this pillow up here. This has been my pillow for a few years. I don't know how long you're supposed to use a pillow, but this is my pillow for a few years. And I have sort of these lumpy edges. The edges got lumpy. Now somebody in the first ever said, that's because my head's in the middle and so everything's getting pushed out. But I sleep right on the edge of of the side of the pillow here. So it's real lumpy on this side. So when I'm going to lay on this side of the pillow, I have to make sure that's face down. And then this side's lumpy. So if I'm going to turn over and lay on the other side, I have to turn the pillow over, drive myself crazy crazy, make all these adjustments. And so I'm walking through Walmart this week and I saw an $11 pillow and I was like, enough is enough with this pillow. I'm going to go ahead and buy myself an $11 pillow and try to get a good night's sleep. And I think this pillow represents some of the things going on in our lives. Like there are some things that have been happening. We've just been kind of living with. They've grown out a little bit of control. They're a little bit lumpy. They're, they're, they're a little bit um, uncomfortable. They're making the, we have to make all these adjustments to try to make it work. And at the end of the day, it's just not cutting it. And I think that that's so true in so many areas of our lives. There are just different areas where enough is enough. We've allowed this to go on long enough. It's time for a change. Some of us, it's a little change. It's an $11 change. Some of us, it's a really big change, but it is time. I want to challenge you today to take your eyes off of whatever those things are that have kind of gotten your attention and get them back on Jesus. For those of you who are like, oh no, I feel pretty close to Jesus, let this series be an encouragement that you would continue to keep your eyes on Jesus. So let's talk about some of the things that have our attention right now. I think one of them is the culture, right? The culture and kind of the mindset of the culture and the world around us. There's this constant pulling and drawing. I want to talk to every age here today, but I do have some stuff to say to that Gen Z 10 to 25 year old age range as well that's kind of specific. But I think for all of us, we can feel the pull of culture. I was talking recently with a friend who had gone whitewater rafting, and while they were going down a a rapid, one of the people fell out of the raft, and when they fall out of the raft like that, you can't just grab somebody in the middle of those rapids. They're going so fast, and the person in the boat are going at two different speeds, and as they're getting drawn down the river, there are rocks you can smash into. There are rocks you can get stuck in and become overcome by the river, and I think that's a great picture of what culture is trying to do to a lot of us right now is just this force of what to believe and what to think and how to live and what is and isn't good like we're just kind of trying to it's trying to kind of pull many of us down this river and we got to be careful we don't start smacking our heads on rocks and get stuck so to speak 
That's a serious thing. Another thing is just distractions. So in an average person's lifetime, we will spend six years and eight months on social media. Does that make everybody want to throw up? Six years and eight months. That's not online. That is social media specific. Nine years of our lives spent watching TV. 44 years looking at screens. Now, Gen Z, ages 10 to 25, say, and this is funny to me because I have kids and they're in that age range and they seem to love their devices, but they say they believe that we spend too much time on our devices. And do you know how I know that's true? Because I looked it up on a device. So there you go. But (laughs) this whole distraction thing, man, is a big deal. So many things pulling for our attention. Our eyes are on a lot of stuff right now. Another thing our eyes can be drawn to is pain and suffering. It's just the things going on in our lives that are really painful, really difficult, really big. We're going to spend next week really diving into that topic of that thing that's so big in your life, that feels so heavy in your life and kind of all-encompassing, that it just takes your eyes off Jesus. But for some of us, that's the pain and the suffering we're feeling, and there's an anger maybe growing in our heart. Another thing is sin struggles. Everybody say, enough is enough. These sin struggles in our lives, these things that are trying to derail our faith and get in between us and Jesus, uh, I've had a few people from our church come up to me recently with just this enough is enough kind of attitude and say, you know what? I've been doing this thing far too long and I need change and I need to get serious about it. Can you help me? I'm tired of this thing. I'm tired of being owned by this. I'm tired of allowing this to, to pull me down that river, that current. It's strong, and it's been pulling me for far too long. Enough is enough. It's time to make a change. It's time to stop trying to manipulate the situation and try to turn it over each way and make it work. There's an answer here, right? And so we're going to talk today about what that answer is. And what I love about this is that today, though I will be a bit intense, I am not coming at you, okay? I am coming with a heart that you would walk in joy, excitement, and freedom. Joy, excitement, and freedom. Because here's what happens. When people get serious and they have their enough is enough moment, I want to get my eyes on Jesus, I want to walk his way, I want to get serious about this, it leads to excitement, joy, and freedom. And I know that out of my own experience, but also because the people who have come to me in the last several months and said, Doug, it's time, I want to get serious. We're going to tackle this issue head on. I need your help. Would you check in on me once in a while and text me and ask how I'm doing and be praying for me? Those people, not every time, but many times, will write back after I say, hey, how's it going? How's your thought life? Or how's that struggle going? They'll write back and go, man, I'm so free. Man, this is so different. Like God's doing it. I'm walking closer to Jesus. I'm free of many of the things that were owning me. And once in a while, they're right back and say, you know what? Bad week. Bad week. Struggled this week. Okay, we, keep, we get up, we keep going because there's excitement, joy, and freedom ahead for us in Jesus. So yes, we're going to get intense today. And we're going to call some things out in our lives, myself included, us collectively saying enough is enough. We're tired of this. We want to get our eyes on Jesus. We want to walk the way he has for us to walk. Now, if you're not a follower of Jesus, I want to be very clear about something. See, Sometimes when we talk about doing the right thing and the wrong thing in church, people start to think that's what it's all about. You do the right thing or you do the wrong thing. If you do the right thing, you're close to God. You do the wrong thing, you're far from God. You do the right thing, he wants you. You do the wrong thing, he doesn't want you. And I just want to make sure you understand that though the right thing and the wrong thing are important to talk about, the first thing, the foundation is that Jesus came and died for us and rose back from the dead. We sung about that in song number two today. It was basically, we sung the gospel, didn't we, in song number two today. That was just straight up the story of Jesus coming for us, dying, beating the grave, coming back to life, and giving us this abundant life in him. And that's where it starts. Because he loves you and wants you and is in a relationship with you, now he offers freedom and joy and excitement in response to that. Okay, so make sure you get that right. 
We're not talking about earning our salvation here today. We've been given salvation, and now we get to walk into this freedom, excitement, and joy that God has for us. So how do we say enough is enough? Joey did an awesome job last week, didn't he? Amazing message. And some of us left last Sunday saying, man, I want to do it God's way. Joey talked last week about some encounters with Jesus and how they should change us. Maybe you said, I want to be changed by Jesus. I want to touch Jesus like that woman in the story, right? I want to be you know, transformed by Jesus. And then you walked out, and then it was Monday, and then it was Tuesday, and you weren't changed, or you fell back into some of the same patterns. How do we finally say enough is enough? How do we move forward? So we're going to look at Hebrews 12. We're going to look at some verses today. And then we're going to continue into one of the verses next week and use it as a launching pad into what we're going to talk about next Sunday. So it says in Hebrews 12.1, you can read it with me. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Now that is not the way you and I talk, right? We don't say anything about clouds of witnesses or anything like that. So what is this talking about? Many of you know the, the years or months ago, we did a series called Chapter Break. And we talked about how they, in the Bible, there are often really great chapter breaks. They, they transition from one chapter to another really well. But here's a spot, an example of a not-so-great chapter break. Because the writer of Hebrews is right in the middle of telling us in the chapter before and chapter 11 about all these witnesses, all these people who now are in heaven with God, who have this amazing story of following Jesus, of having their eyes on Jesus, of doing amazing things in the name of God. And there's names like Abraham and Noah and Moses. And the writer then says in Hebrews 11, read this with me in verse 32 and on, I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets. He says there's all these witnesses, all these people who went before us that kept their eyes on God who through faith conquered kingdoms and administered justice and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. And you and I are going, I'm just trying to get through Monday, man. Like I'm not routing foreign armies here. I'm just trying to raise my kids. I'm just trying to get through summer here without any, making any dumb decisions, right? How do we keep our eyes on Jesus? How do we walk this out? How do we say enough is enough? It goes on, women received back their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured and refused to be released so that they might gain a better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging while still others were chained and put in prison. They were stoned. They were sawed in two. They were put to death by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. How did these people live this kind of way? How were they so able to walk their faith out, even when being imprisoned and beaten and cut in half and tortured? And, and how were they able to see such miracles and incredible things that God did? Well, the writer of Hebrews says, therefore, since we have all these people who have gone before us, we can learn something from them. He goes on, let us throw off everything that hinders. That word hinder is in, hinders is important, okay? It's the Greek word agkos. Everybody say agkos. Okay, it's a protuberance or a tumor or a swelling. That's the Greek translation of this word hindrance. In other words, that hindrance that is in our life is a growth that shouldn't be there. That thing that's holding us back from going further in Jesus is something that is not normal and shouldn't be there. It's something that should be removed. It's something that we should deal with and throw off, as the writer says here. So what are some of the things we need to throw off if we're going to have our enough is enough moment with God? What are some of the things that distract us? What are some of the things our eyes are on? Well, I said the culture all 
around us. At the gym the other day, I'm on a treadmill. I'm feeling pretty good about myself. I got a good pace going, okay? Then this like 25-year-old guy gets on the treadmill right next to me. He's got like muscles growing on his muscles, you know, one of these guys. And he puts the treadmill up to like 1,000 and he starts running and he's like going for it, right? And I'm just trying to keep up with my own thing and he's just blowing past me. Then the treadmill starts going like this. You seeing this function, right? It's when it's, it's, it's like I'm just going straight. I'm running down a straight path. This guy is like going over Mount Everest, right? Up and down, looks like a seesaw. The next thing I know, he's like throwing weights and catching them with his feet. No, not hitting him. But I'm like, wow, thank God that guy didn't let me set the pace for him because I would have held him back. Listen, we have to be so careful we don't let culture set the pace for us. It's going to hold us back from pursuing Jesus like we're supposed to. It's going to steal our joy, our excitement, and our freedom. Everybody 10 to 25 in here. I know that's a weird statement to you. What do you mean it's going to steal my excitement, my joy, and my freedom? I thought that God and church kills excitement, joy, and freedom. No, no, no. Jesus is where you find it, the true stuff, the real stuff. We're going to talk more about that in just a minute. But we can't let somebody or a cultural pressure sweep us down the river. Maybe that's your struggle right now. Maybe today's the day you have your enough is enough moment. I'm not going to let culture tell me how to think, how to believe, how to act, what is good, what is not good. I'm going to let Jesus determine that. The next one, distractions. Distractions. I don't know about you. I hate distractions. I hate when I have a goal and I'm trying to get something accomplished and something derails that goal. I had a week of distractions a couple weeks ago. I was mowing the lawn. I had a very little time frame to get this done. And as I'm mowing and we're getting it done, all of a sudden I hear like an explosion in the engine and one um, blade hit the other blade and something snapped. And so I start texting and calling the repairmen that come to your house. They're like, yeah, I'll see you in November. I'm like, cool, thanks for nothing. And so then I found a repair shop. I got to drop it off there. And then I got to go borrow Joey, our youth pastor's lawnmower. And I'm going to go finish mowing the lawn. Just distraction, right? And then later in the day, someone asked me to fill out a reference form for them. So I'm on this online website thing, filling out the reference form. And I have almost all their information and all of my comments filled out. And the form resets. Sorry, there's been an interruption. And the form resets. So I got to do it again. So I do it again. Sorry, there's been an interruption. The form resets resets. I finally do it again, and I have everything. I'm just about to hit submit, and my computer dies, and the form reset, right? This is just the world I'm living in. Distractions. I'm trying to get something done. I keep getting distracted from getting it done. The next morning, I wake up. Okay, everything I didn't get to yesterday, I'm going to do today, and so I wake up early. I drive the kids to school, one of their last days of school, and I'm going to go meet my dad at the gym, and I'm driving out of the school exit, and I run out of gas right there, which was so awesome, right? Totally not embarrassing at all. I actually got out of the driver's seat and sat in the passenger side like, what? idiot ran out of gas like you seriously I really did that too Kelly pulled up behind me with the gas tank she's like why are you sitting at the passenger side I'm kind of hoping people were thinking you were driving you went to get gas I don't know but next day I'm like all right today's gonna be the day man today's gonna be the day I wake up and I you know starting to get through my day and, and I hear that awful noise if you're a dude and you're a homeowner you know this noise okay the noise is this it's the garbage men driving by and you didn't put out the trash right like ruin your life over this stuff okay so I was like I will not be forsaken here I ran to the garage I threw all of the stuff in my SUV and I chased the garbage man down the street because I'm gonna get this done distraction so many distractions and some of us that's our relationship with God right now we love God. We want to even be near him. We were singing today, I just want to be with you. You're like, yes, I mean that. But we're so distracted. Our eyes are on so many other things right now. 
the writer says, throw these things off. Like, throw them off. Everything that hinders, every tumor that's growing in. <laughs> My pillow has tumors, gross, that shouldn't be there. Right? Deal with those things. Enough is enough. Some of it's, it's the anger in our heart. There's anger in our heart because of pain and suffering. Something's happened, and, and there's a wound deep in our heart, and we just can't get right with God. That's the thing we got to throw off. I was removing a rose bush from one of our gardens this past uh, month, and it, it just died. It wasn't looking good, man. It like, produced maybe one rose. Like This thing just looks gross and long and all. There's nothing pretty on it. So I'm pulling this rose bush out, and a thorn went into my finger, like deep in there. And my wife is like a champ splinter remover, and she got the top off, but she couldn't get down to the bottom. And it's actually still in my finger right now. And so anytime I grab something at just the wrong angle, it presses that deeper in to my finger. And some of you guys have that going on in your heart. It's like just the right thing said, or just the wrong thing, maybe I should say said. Just the, the right a moment and set of circumstances that bring anxiety and stress. It's just like pushing it deeper into your heart and you just feel like you can't get right with God. Throw off everything that hinders. That cultural pull, that distraction, that anger. We're gonna dive a little more into that next week. And then he says this, and, so throw off everything that hinders, including this, and the sin that so easily entangles. We gotta throw off the sin. Guys, when you throw something off, right, you're not messing around. You know, you wake up in the middle of the night and you're really hot and you're sweating. You throw off the covers, right? Like, like I'm going to throw this thing off now. I don't want nothing to do with it right now. I don't want it near me. I don't want it around me. I'm going to throw this thing off. Throw off the sin that entangles. And we know that sin so easily entangles. Some of us had zero idea or, or thought process that we would ever be where we are right now. But we are tangled up in something. And one of the things I think gets us, I want to talk to everybody on this, 10 to 100 here in the room or online, is that sometimes the sin that entangles, entangles us because we believe that the grass is greener on the other side. You know what I mean? When I sit on my porch and I'm looking at my grass, and then I look at my neighbor's grass, I'm like, oh man, his grass is something. Like, it's perfect. It's beautiful over there. Until you get on his grass, right? And I would recommend doing this under the cover of night unless you're invited. But you get on that grass and you start looking around and you see, oh, there's some crabgrass here. It doesn't, I didn't see that from my side. Oh, there's some clover. There's a, a bare spot over there. The dog dug a hole behind that tree. Like now I'm seeing it for what it is. And I was sitting on my lawn thinking everything was great over there. And then we get over there and we realize everything's not great. Guys, that's a big part of what sin offers. Come see how shiny I am. Come see how green I am. Come see how attractive I am. You know, if I could talk to that younger generation for a minute, I think that's why some of us, man, we get caught up in the party lifestyle or we get caught up in the pornography because there's this, this attraction and this promise that this is going to do something for us. It's going to satisfy us. It's exciting. And here we are and Doug's at church telling me to listen to Jesus. Man, that's exciting until we get over there. And then we start to see it for what it is. If I could talk to some of the older people in the room, I think sometimes we get ourselves in trouble because there are different opportunities, we think, right? Oh, well, I've lived my whole life trying to be generous and try to help others and be content. But, man, those people have everything. Maybe I should start being more about me. 
And then we do that for a while, and we chase it, and we chase it, and we chase it, and we're like, wow, I'm still me. I'm still just as broken. I'm still the same hurting person. Now I just feel empty on top of it. Some of us in the room would say, oh, man, I, I go to work, or I go to the gym, and there's that person, and they're just so cute and so funny, and like, they're just always nice. And then I come home, and my spouse is just at me, and they're this and they're that. I'm going to go over there. The grass is greener over there. And then we get over there. Listen, here's the thing, okay? The grass that's greener on the other side of the fence, the, the, the truly greener grass, you know what it is? It's that green carpet that old people put on their patio. You know that stuff? You know why it's green? It's greener than what you have? Because it's fake. It's fake. Oh, you think it's real. You're drawn to it. And then you go, oh, man, that's plastic. Nothing can grow there. Nothing can live there. What are you drawn to on the other side of the fence that will quickly entangle? That's just not even real. Many of us fall for this. I pray today we'd have a, wait a minute, enough is enough. I don't have to fall for this. I don't have to become about myself. I don't have to stop being generous. I don't have to think somebody else is going to satisfy me or that image or that party. I don't have to believe any of it because that's just not true. It's all fake and plastic and it amounts to nothing. It goes on. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Oh, man, this isn't easy, everybody. If you're here today going, ah, oh, Christianity, man, it's, it, what a wonderful thing. Oh, it is a wonderful thing, but it is sometimes a race, man. It is a long-haul race, and it takes perseverance. It takes not giving up. It takes, I'm going to keep my eyes in the right place. I'm not going to let my eyes go to culture or distractions or the sin that so easily entangles or the hurt or the anger in my heart. No, this is a race of perseverance. i got to keep going and putting one foot in front of the other. So at the gym, there's this lady who's my hero. She is old. She is old, everybody. After the first service, people kept coming up to me. How old, Doug? You're offending some of us. Older than all of you, okay? It's just like old, okay? I promise. If you really want to know her approximate age, I'll tell you later, but I ain't saying it from the stage, okay? But this lady's old, and she just keeps going. She's on the step thing. I won't even try the step thing. She's killing it on the step thing, just Every time I'm there, she's going, I actually wanted to take a picture so that I could show you this woman, okay? But then I realized what's probably going to happen is this silly 20-year-old girl on the treadmill next to her is going to be like, that old ball guy's taking pictures of me. And I'm going to be like, no, I'm taking pictures of your great-grandma who's killing it, okay? But this lady's running that race of perseverance. And I'm like, wow. See, some of us, we're just tired, man. We've been running the race for a while. And if anybody had an excuse to not be at the gym, it is this lady, but she keeps on going. And I'm telling you, the, the, the writer of Hebrews here is saying, we're going to keep on running the race. We're going to throw off the hindrances. And we're going to keep our eyes on the, on the excitement and the joy and the freedom that comes from following God and the things that he has for us. And here it is, really the key phrase for our series in Hebrews 12 too. It says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Doug, how do I do this? How do I keep myself going? How do I not get caught up in all that stuff and get distracted? i got to fix my eyes on Jesus Two questions come up in my mind. First of all, what does it mean to fix your eyes on something? Secondly, why Jesus? If I have to fix my eyes on anything, why does it have to be Jesus? Well, what does it mean to fix your eyes? Well, it is literally this idea of turning your eyes away from all the other things and becoming fixated on the one thing. My son Landon, when he was two, he really liked the, 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 the eye contact attention. So if he calls your name and you're working, 
Or he called your name and you're watching TV and you said, yeah, what's up, bud? That wasn't enough. You had to look in his eyes, okay? And if I was like, what's up, bud? And he was like, dad. I was like, yeah, yeah, what's up, man? He's like, dad. I'm like, what, what, you know? He would grab my face and turn it until my eyes were meeting his little eyes. And then he'd hand me an action figure and go, you be Darth Vader, I'll be Obi-Wan, you know? <laughs> but that's that idea. I'm, I'm turning away from all the other stuff and I'm fixated on the, only, on, on the one thing. And I just ask you today, what are you fixated on right now? Some of us are fixated on a bank account. We're fixated on a status. We're fixated on social media. We're fixated on a relationship. We're fixated on all kinds of struggles. We're fixated on our own pain. Like, what are your eyes fixed on? Because I think the way we get through all the distractions in the culture and everything else thrown at us is by fixing our eyes on Jesus. That's what gets us to our enough is enough moment. We say, I'm going to fix my eyes on him. I'm going to focus my eyes on what he has to say. So the culture may say this, but my Bible says that, right? So I might feel this, but the truth is, as I look at my brother or sister from Living Word Church and community group and we talk about this, the truth is that I'm not seeing things clearly and I needed to hear what they had to say, right? This is what I'm feeling. This is what everybody else is saying. But here's what's true. I'm going to keep my eyes on Jesus. Okay, so... While we're doing this, what does it look like practically? Like, like why Jesus? Why Jesus? I, and we'll get to how in just a minute. How do I keep my eyes on him? But, but why Jesus? Well, let me just tell you, say first and, all, first, first and foremost, Jesus is better than everything else you're looking at. Like he's just better than everything else you're looking at. So in our backyard, we have a small creek all the way toward the back of the property. And that means that right in front of that area is really mushy and gross and overgrown and there's nothing I could do to fix it. Because if I go to walk on that ground to try to fix it, I will sink in. And like, you remember quicksand, the fear of quicksand as a child? Well, it's in my backyard apparently. And so I can't fix it, okay? The mush and the muck and the overgrown stuff, they're gonna be there. And they always would catch my eye. I'd walk on the back and just be like, oh, I hate that area. I hate that. There's nothing I could do about that. So what did I do? Well, I, I waited for the sales at Home Depot, and I got a bunch of really tiny little evergreens about this tall, and I planted them in front, and they say they're fast-growing, so please, Jesus, let that be true. And I, I keep my eyes open at the nursery for a nice little plant, a nice little tree, for a nice little deal on this and that, and I plant it. And so all the same stuff is still there that could draw my eye, but now there's just something better in front of it all. Guys, that's what we need to recognize about our relationship with Jesus. Doug, the temptation is still there. My friends are still telling me to come to this party. Uh, the, the web is still there. Guys, 10 to 25-year-olds, my gosh, I hate that you have to grow up with this in your pocket. Man, the temptation, the struggle. Not that anybody else can't struggle with the same stuff, but, but man, to be a kid and a young adult at that, with this you know, access to everything that unfortunately is there. It's all still there. We gotta just look at something better. We gotta plan something pretty in front of it. We've gotta see Jesus in front of it all. We've gotta fix our eyes on him. Goes on. The author and perfecter of our faith. I wanna encourage you today. Jesus is called the author. You know what an author is, right? A writer, a perfecter, someone who is looking over it, going, okay, this can be better. We can work on this. We can improve this. We can make that more. We can fight for more freedom and excitement and joy. And he's with you. Jesus, our eyes are on him, right? If you're here today saying, I don't have anybody to walk through life with, well, uh, well first of all, let's fix that. We will get some people in your life you can walk through life with who love Jesus and love you. But at the very least and at the very most, wow, you have God in your life. You have the author and perfecter of your faith walking through it with you. 
Doug, I don't know how I'm going to do this. Some of us, it's an $11 change, right? It's an $11 change. Some of us, it's everything. It's a whole new friend group. It's a whole new place to live. It's a whole new financial situation. If I'm really going to do things God's way, it's going to turn everything upside down. How am I going to do it? Well, you have the author and the perfecter of your faith walking with you. I love this. Who for the joy set before him endured the cross. Jesus. There was a joy ahead of him. Remember I said excitement, joy, freedom, right? There was no excitement, joy, and freedom in Jesus hanging on a cross. But that was coming. It was ahead of him. Who for the joy set before him endured the cross. The cross was horrible. Scorning its shame. It was shameful. It was said of Roman citizens. They wouldn't even look at someone who was uh, hanging on a cross because of its shame. And here's Jesus hanging on a cross, full of shame. But he endured all of that, and it says, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus is this amazing example of us. When we think about getting our eyes set somewhere, i got to get my eyes set on Jesus, right? Well, where were his eyes set? On heaven. His eyes were on heaven. He's hanging on the cross, looking to his Father. He's hanging on the cross, thinking about eternity, thinking about your eternity. And so my eyes are on him, and his eyes were on heaven, some of us got to get eternity on our minds. we got to fix our eyes on Jesus. And we have to begin to say, culture can't tell me what to do, think, and believe. Distractions cannot get in the way of my pain. Oh, God, heal me of it. And this sin that entangles, I'm going to stop falling for that belief that the grass is greener on that other side. What a plastic lie. What I want you to leave here with today, a simple thought. Enough is enough, eyes on Jesus. Enough is enough. Eyes on Jesus. Enough is enough with the fake. Enough is enough with the, 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 the bulging tumors in our spiritual life that are, are trying to steal from us. And we're trying to make work so hard. Man, nothing makes you work as hard as sin. Isn't that true? Nothing makes you work as hard to try to make it work and try to find joy and peace in it all. No, but there's excitement and there's joy and there's freedom available. And so how do we do this? Well, some of it's real simple and 90% of you know what the next few things I'm going to say, but man, we struggle to do it, don't we? Well, we got to pray every single day. We got to be bringing our hurt to God every single day, bringing our struggles and our temptations to God every single day. We got to be open in the word of God. We just have to. I was wrestling with something earlier this week. I opened the word of God. It spoke to me. I shared it with my wife because she was struggling with something, the very same thing. And God just spoke. I have got to be opening my Bible or listening to my Bible on my app or whatever you want to do every single day. It doesn't matter when you do it, morning, lunch break, nighttime, walk in the afternoon, just get with Jesus. I want to encourage you to fill your house with praise. It doesn't matter what style. I'm an 80s metal praiser, okay? Some of you guys are rap praisers. Some of you guys are country praisers. Lord, help you all. We've got all different type of praisers, right? And it doesn't matter, okay? Because the truth is, as long as we have the news cycle going in our house, we're going to be sad and anxious and depressed because we live in a sad, anxious, and depressed world apart from Jesus. As long as we're listening to, you know, emo, screamo, horrible, again, it doesn't matter the style of music, but the content, if it's just like all like how horrible life is and how terrible and there's no hope like where do you think your worldview is going to be of course right i got to fill my house and my heart with praise i got to sing it out i got to talk it out i got to speak it out if you're around people all they do is talk negatively man watch out like joey said last week gotta watch out for those people who brighten a room when they leave it right we got to be careful about the people that we surround ourselves with i love that joke so i had to steal it it was so well done (laughs) and surround yourself with people who will do battle alongside you I had a friend who called me recently. He said, Doug, can we just grab lunch? I had no clue what he wanted to talk about. And when we got together and he told me what was going on in his life, I was shocked. Not because it was anything 
Like, nothing shocks me anymore if you come to me like, Doug, I just did this out of the other. I wouldn't be like, you horrible person. Like, we are all people who are struggling and growing, and God's changing our lives. I wasn't shocked because he did something horrible. I was shocked because I didn't know he was going through it. And he said, Doug, I just need somebody to battle alongside me. Who battles alongside you? Who do you have? Who is calling you or texting you saying, hey, how's your thought life? Hey, what are you looking at? Hey, how's, how's conversations going with people? Like, are you, are you ripping people apart behind their back? Or are you working through that gossip thing? Hey, how's your heart? Because I know that you've been hurt. Are you bringing that day to day to God? Like, who's that person in your life battling? Because here's what I, I know. I know that if you leave today and you don't have a plan, then you're probably going to come back to church the same way next Sunday. But if we leave today and say, okay, I'm texting my friend right after church today to say, please pray for me or please hold me accountable, things will start to change. Or if you bring your hurt to God that you've been holding from him because you're angry, you begin to surrender that to Jesus today, things are going to begin to change. And this doesn't mean we become perfect people who never fall. We will still stumble. But story of my son Cade when he was about two years old he was walking down a flight of stairs and halfway down he fell tumbled to the bottom and he's in a pile at the bottom crying of course and Kelly and I run over and he won't talk to us he he just gets up and through tears he walks back up every single step turns around and walks back down him and that's some of us run the race of perseverance I'm gonna just keep going I fell okay great let's get back up God loves you you're forgiven and now we walk back up the steps and we try again some of you, that's, that's, that's where you're at today. You just need to try again. You just need to get up again. You just need to keep going again. So in my own life, I was headed into a situation where I didn't want to have a conversation that I had to have in any type of anger or with any wrong motivation. And so I texted a friend and just said, hey, I have a difficult conversation coming up, a conversation where I don't want to lose my cool or, or respond in an, in an angry way. Can you just like text me several times throughout the day and make sure I handle this? well. And guess what happened when they texted me? I was able to write back in excitement and freedom and joy. Hey, everything went well. Thank God. Thank you for checking in on me. I'm grateful that I have you battling alongside me so that I could take a step today toward excitement, joy, and freedom that God has for me. And so where do you find yourself in all this today? Maybe it's the culture. Maybe it's the distraction. Maybe it's the pain. Maybe it's the sin. Enough is enough. Eyes on Jesus. You're not doing this alone. You have the Holy Spirit inside of you. You have the author and perfecter of your faith working with you every step of the way. Is it an addiction? Is it a relationship? What's your plan? Some of you need to decide right now before we close in prayer what Snapchat and Instagram accounts you're going to unfollow. If you did not understand a word I said in that last sentence, it's okay. Just talk to someone under 25 and you'll be all right. Some of you got to unsubscribe from a YouTube account. Some of you, we got to get filters on our computer. We got to get a friend who's going to text us daily or weekly. Like, like, what is it for you? We need something here today, everybody, for that enough is enough moment so that we can walk forward into the excitement and the joy and the freedom that God has for us. If you're not a follower of Jesus, you heard me talk about how this is a gift. Jesus gives us a great gift, and then he fights for us. He fights for our freedom, excitement, and joy. And so the things I'm telling you about today aren't to limit you or to slap anybody's wrist. It's, it's to let you know that, man, just God has better for us. Bottom line, he's better. He's better. I want to get my eyes on what's best. If I have to plant some stuff in front of the marsh and the weeds, 
then I'll do it. I want to see what's best. I want my eyes drawn and fixated on what's best, and that's him. So what's your plan for today? Leave here with a plan. Be specific. And I'm going to give you a second just to pray about that plan. But if you're not a follower of Jesus, I hope today you'll think about putting your trust in him. He loves you and he wants a relationship with you. Enough is enough. Eyes on Jesus. Let's pray. So Jesus, here we are today, God, longing for our eyes to be on you. And so we ask you for help. And so here's the plan, everybody. Would you just take 30, 45 seconds and, and, and your heart probably has known from within the first minute of the message what your struggle is. You've probably known culture, distraction, sin, pain, and hurt. I would just say, would you bring that to Jesus now? And would you ask him for a very practical plan today? not a father of Jesus, a love for you to pray with me now if you'd like to put your trust in him. You could just say something like this. Jesus, I'm so grateful that you died for me. I'm so thankful that you came and endured the cross. That you gave your life and you rose from the dead to forgive me of my sin. And I thank you now that you tell me to follow you. Tell me to have my eyes fixed on and I thank you that you, the author, the perfecter, the beginning, and the finisher of my faith is walking with me. Jesus, show me how real you are. And God, would you bring people alongside me to help me grow in my faith? Thank you for this gift of salvation.